I, I, I did readjust. I, I went back through and readjusted my win losses. Um, they're actually pretty accurate up to this point, which is surprisingly. <laughs> Um, because oh, nice. well, because I didn't have us losing like the th- five really bad games we lost, and didn't have right. us winning the really five good games we won. Right. So it kind of just right, averaged right, right. out. Uh, and then, I mean, with Siakam, we may be better down that, than we were before. I, I hope so, but I just kind of kept it as it was, and I'm still on pace for my forty-five wins. Cool. 40, I think I said 46. I might have been crazy. You might have been. That sounds like something you would say. Exactly. It sounds it sounds like me. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. Please. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. <laughs> I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch. Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 682, coming to you from the high school home of Jameson Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland. I'm the doctor, Jason Triplett. This show, we're going to discuss a 3-in-1 week for the Pacers, including games against Denver, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Memphis. Uh, We'll also talk about a trade and some happy news. Joining me this week is one analyst, just one, but we are still coast to coast. We're like butter toast. It's just all one coast. But uh, from Asheville, North Carolina, uh, he's our in-house bartender, mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. It's John Urban Pictionary Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, undebeatable? Um, yeah. I'm so glad to be with you. Um, we're going to miss Joey and Harper this week. Um, but there's a lot to talk about. And, um, as you say, next man up, um, Halliburton's been out for two weeks and we just keep battling. So, um, even you're wounded, you're sick. Um, right. and, uh, we're battling on, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get some wins. Apologies up front for the, uh, well, not not only the nasal tone of my voice, but the sniffles and coughs if they should happen. Uh, before we start the show, just want to remind you, listeners, that you can support the longest-running pod- Pacers podcast by heading over to patreon.com slash undebeatables. You can support our show for as little as a dollar a month. That helps us buy things like cough drops and uh, hot towels, I guess. All right, before we get dive into the games, Colson, I wanted to uh, get your views on a couple things. So first, let's talk the really exciting news. This week we learned that our own Tyree Saliburton, despite the fact that he's been out with a hamstring injury, was voted as a starter in the All-Star game. Uh, so he will be starting alongside Damian Lillard in the backcourt. 
and Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, and Joel Embiid uh, for the East in the All-Star Game, which, oh, by the way, is in Indianapolis. What do you think about this? Well, um, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for the organization. Um, he's only the fourth pacer in history, uh, uh, in NBA history, to be named uh, NBA All-Star starter, along with Reggie, Jermaine O'Neal, and Paul George. Um this is significant because he's with guys that are in the MVP race, um, you know, uh, Giannis, Embiid, and, and uh, Jason Tatum. Look, I love uh, a Dame Lillard, so I'm not going to talk too much smack, but uh, I thought Brunson from um, the Knicks might have been there. But, hey, look, I'm super excited about Halliburton being here. I think he deserves it. He's leading the league in assists. Um, he's unconscious from the floor and the stripe, and he's led this team to um, great things. We're in the mix right now for home court advantage and at least being out of the um, play-in tournament right now. I think we're sitting in sixth seed, but really close to the fourth seed, and he's been out for a couple weeks, as you mentioned. Yeah, no, this is a great honor for the franchise. It's a great honor for him. It's his second All-Star appearance. What I, I think the most important and most exciting thing is 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 that this is fan voted on, at least 50% of it. And um, the fact that he is so recognized by the fans already in a small market like Indiana is thrilling. This could be great for our franchise moving forward. Totally. I mean, and I think speaks to the uh, power of the in-season tournament because he really shined in that and got a lot of uh, recognition, I think, uh, that he might otherwise not have. Um, But yeah, super proud of him. Uh, And the Damian Lillard, Jalen Brunson thing was it ended up being so I think 50 percent of the final tally is fans and then 25 percent is media and 25 percent is players vote when you totaled all those things up Jalen Brunson and Damian Lillard had like the same weighted value if you will uh and the tie was broken by the fan vote which went to Damian Lillard well that makes sense a million more than uh, Jalen Brunson so it's Dame time all the time yeah we're gonna talk about it more on Thursday but I'm pretty sure that uh our friend Mr. Brunson will be in the all-star game uh, and then just while we're here, I'll mention the West All-Star starters. Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, his 20th consecutive All-Star starter selection, which is a record. Uh, Kevin Durant and Nikola Jokic. Uh, so my, my, I have a friend who uh, was talking to me the other day and he said, is that one of the greatest five-man lineups of all time? Like, just the Western all-star selections. Mm. It's like, you know, could you put this historically against other teams and go, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Not just other, like, all-star teams, but, like, just, you know, pick guys out of lineup. I was like, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good lineup. It's a pretty good lineup. It's a pretty good lineup. It depends on where you fall with the Shea, Gilgis Alexander. He's pretty Man, he early in his career. And he can I mean, play defense. Uh, absolutely, but I mean, like, is he going to end up having the same career 
arc as a two-time MVP Kevin Durant and two-time MVP Nikola Jokic and three-time MVP LeBron James. Le- didn't didn't LeBron have? Four? He might. Four-time MVP. See, I yeah. sold him short. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, and then the other news: there was a trade that happened that might impact the Pacers' fortunes going forward. So the Miami Heat, after uh, sort of swinging and missing and trying to get a Damian Lillard in the offseason, did add to their backport backcourt, uh, trading Kyle Lowry and a 2027 first round pick for Terry Rozier from the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Rozier is averaging. A career high 23.2 points a game, uh, 6.6 assists, 3.9 rebounds, and 1.1 steals per game. What do you think? What do you think about this? Does this last week or a week or so ago, whenever we talked about this Yakum trade, uh, we said this clearly vaulted the, the Pacers up into a upper tier, but now the, the Heat may have uh, joined that conversation. What do you think? Well, I mean, on some level, yes. I mean, I, I think the OG and Anobi uh, trade for the Knicks um, put them in a conversation as well. Um, I think, yeah, Rozier is a really talented offensive player. Kyle Lowry uh, is a special player. He helped uh, the Raptors win a title, and he helped uh, Miami get to the finals uh, last year. Uh, just a savvy veteran who does all the things. But, you know, he's aging out. You had to throw in a first-round draft pick to get Rozier. Um, I, I kind of feel like both teams win in this because Charlotte needs some assets. They're just bad. Charlotte's been bad forever, and Rozier's one of their um, you know, decent players. Um, they get a first-round draft pick. And Lowry, who I assume they'll buy out or flip for another asset uh, because mm-hmm. I think Lowry is a, is, a, is a real player still, even though he's kind of aging out. This makes Miami better. I think Miami was already really good. Um, I do think that after Indiana traded, New York traded, and and Miami traded, uh, we're looking at six teams um, that have separated themselves from the rest of of the East. Um, You already had Boston, uh, Philly, Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee made a coaching trade. Um, Mm -hmm. They made their offseason, you know, um, Damian Lillard trade. Uh, But now you're looking at at uh, New York, Miami, and Indiana fighting for the spot that Cleveland currently holds it for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've not yet to make a, a move. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it could be that Cleveland can just play great. could be that these trades move all those teams above Cleveland. Um, I do think it's uh, this is the race to stay out of the play-in tournament. And there's seven teams, and one of them's going to be there. And I'm hoping that these, I think these trades were made to stay out of that. And we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, right. You mentioned another piece of news that happened in between uh, the last time we talked and now, which is the Bucks fired Adrian Griffin, their first year coach, after 43 games and a 30 and 13 record. <laughs> pretty, pretty good record. Pretty good record, and then immediately hired uh, Doc Rivers to take over. What, what are your thoughts on Doc's uh, ability or chances to to make this a title contending Bucks team as if they weren't already? 
Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Uh, clearly, the players on the team didn't think Adrian Griffin was doing a good enough job. There were rumors that, you know, he had changed Budenholder's defensive system, which they all liked. They were a perennially good defensive team, and um, no one was real happy about the changes. I don't. I don't know. Uh, we all were mad at Budenholzer because he didn't make enough adjustments. Um, but apparently, uh, Griffin comes in and tries to do something new, and then the team's mad about it. It's not fair to him uh, as a rookie coach to sort of um, get fired for. A really good record. I assume that ownership and management is looking at this going, we're not good enough to beat Boston. And let's bring in Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is an amazing coach. I think he's very good at dealing with veterans. He's won a title dealing with veterans. He's he's had a lot of success on teams dealing with veterans. And so maybe this works. But ultimately, I this is a Band-Aid on a fundamental problem, which is... No one in the East is good enough to beat the Celtics. Hmm. So, look, Doc Rivers may make them better, but it won't be enough. Yeah, it's an interesting choice to me because it's not as if Doc Rivers has this uh, sterling postseason uh, resume. Right? Yeah, no, the with the Clippers, it went poorly. For sure. Well, he's like notoriously lost multiple series when he's been up three to one. I with, mean, he does have a ring. He's with been to the finals Fi- a couple Philly, times. With Philly, you can kind of blame Harden, you know? Like, with with the Clippers, you can kind of blame uh, Chris Paul. Like, you can say, hey, look, he just didn't have clutch players on his team in clutch moments. When he did, with the sure. Celtics, he won a title. I mean, I'm willing to kind of give him some of that. All right. Fair enough. And then to get back to the Rogier thing, which I realized that I moved on too quickly, um... Yeah, I think that this uh, was a critical move for the Heat because they don't want to be in a situation where they're in the the play-in again. And I think it's pretty clear that Jimmy Butler is just going to load manage, despite it not being yeah, called load manage. Just it until, and, until and so, I mean, he, does, he doesn't seem to really care at all right now. No, not at all. But they need to keep winning games, and so Rogier will at least fill up uh, the the scoring column for them, I think. Um, yeah. And it makes them that much more dangerous in, in the postseason, right? I mean, they were without Hero last year, and they made it to the finals. Um, you know, and so now you add one more shooter, one more scorer, somebody that could get a bucket, uh, create their own shot. Makes them pretty dangerous, not to mention one of the best coaches in the league who will figure out how to use this guy to the best of his abilities. Oh, the best coach in the league. Who's better? Rick Carlisle. No. Maybe. I mean, close. Sure. I mean, I think he's on that list. I think he's one of the five coaches that matter. Pop, I think, has lost his fastball. I don't know what he's doing with Womanyama. Um, I, I think Spolster is probably the best coach in the league, so he will figure this out for sure. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's talk basketball. Uh, Pacers. Uh, on Tuesday last week, hosted the Denver Nuggets for the second time in a week. Uh, lost another close one to him. 114 to 109. Turner had 22 points and six rebounds, led the way. Siakam, 16 points and 10 rebounds and four assists. Uh, the Pacers were close. It was down 13 in the fourth quarter, but rallied all the way back to take the lead. But uh, 
Denver had two guys, Jokic and Murray, who each scored 31. Jokic had a triple-double, and they made big plays down the stretch and won the game. Uh, on Thursday, Pacers hosted the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, and they win this one, going away, 134-122. to Siakam records his first triple-double as a Pacer, 26 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. Turner, 20 points, 9 boards, and 2 blocks. And Andrew Nimhard, who has been playing super well, 19 points and 8 assists in this game. Uh, Game 3, Friday, uh, hosting Phoenix, uh, D. Charles, easy money in the house, house. uh, sitting right right behind... Uh, what Pritchard I just and Kevin Simon. Pritchard and Simon sees the Pacers uh, pull off a 133 to 131 victory uh, in the last seconds. Pascal Siakam 31, 7 and 4. Obi Toppin 23, 10 and 3. And the game uh, and, winning tipping. And exactly, and the game winning tipping. And uh, Devin Booker 62 points. So uh, put on a show there. But it wasn't enough. He needed 65. 62 in a losing game. effort. He, Yeah, he uh, missed the shot with uh, Neesmith draped all over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then today, this afternoon, the Pacers hosted the Memphis Grizzlies. They win this one, uh, 116 to 110. Ben Matherin leads the way at 24 points and 7 rebounds. 19 of those in the first half. Jalen Smith... 19 points, 10 boards, and Nemhart again, 16 points and 9 assists. So getting contributions all over the place in a game where we're missing a fair amount of people. Uh, so, Pacers on a three-game win streak, 3-1 and one on the week. The one loss was a pretty good showing against the defending champs. All of this without our best player. How are you feeling, Colson? Jason, I'm, I'm feeling I'm incredible. I, I, like, I mean, honestly... Yeah, all week, no Halliburton. I, I, I looked at this week coming forward without our best player and go, well, uh, we're going to lose all these games. Uh, maybe we can beat Memphis, you know, because they suck. And um, this Denver game was one of my favorite games of the season. Mm. Um, we, we go, we're down 13 going into this, uh, this fourth quarter. And the way these guys fought... Uh, we got a Ben Shepard uh, floor burns. We got T.J. McConnell floor burns. We've got so many. We're just forcing turnovers and making stuff happen, hitting wild shots, um, playing the right way. I, I, this was the game, uh, you know, not not just in the fourth quarter, but um, listening to Quinn Buckner just be like, "That's good basketball," you know. He just kept saying that all game. We were playing really good get basketball against, you know, the defending champs. We were just moving the basketball even without our engine, Halliburton, and um, we had three good three point looks, open looks down the stretch with under a minute to go to to put this game away, and we didn't hit it. Um, hmm. But you can't say that we didn't put ourselves in a position to win. Uh, Jokic hit a, a back-breaking three-pointer that put them up one, and then the, the, the three-pointer you know, with a few seconds left that won the game for them. But we put ourselves in position to win if we'd hit you know, a shot or two. Uh, just a thrilling game. I, and I was, I was so proud. I, I honest, Honestly, I was laughing out loud. 
uh, watching this game, how hard these guys were playing and the shots they were making. It was a, it was a delight. I recommend yeah. watching the fourth quarter of that Denver game if you haven't seen it. Um, one of the games of the year for me, even though we lost. So, and then yeah, I mean the rest of the week we just we just bully Philly, which is like the third best team in the East. Um, yes, and B puts up thirty one, but we just were in control of that game. Siakam and Miles Turner gave him a lot of trouble, but I thought offensively the Siakam and Turner combination were more than he could handle as a great defensive player. Um, and that's turning into something really special, that Turner-Siakam combo. Uh, two veterans that know how to play basketball um, that are already starting to read each other. Um, very exciting moving into the future, especially when well, you think about having a good point guard with them. Absolutely. And what that game, the Pacers out-rebound the Philadelphia 76ers 55-31 to in that game. And Have they made a point. Have we ever out a team ever? <laughs> Not by that much. Uh, and at some point during the broadcast, they made the point that Pascal Siakam was like sort of challenging Turner and the rest of his teammates to go get these rebounds and has like really increased the, the focus and um, sort of desire to take control of the glass. Uh, and it really showed in that game. Everybody was going after it. I don't have the numbers right in front of me now, but we had like 30, no, 20 offensive rebounds, something like that. Mm. Let me look mm. that up real quick. Where'd it go? The Phoenix game, maybe, was the one. Uh, anyway. Phoenix game, we had 21 offensive rebounds like, twenty one their seven, which is yeah. insane. So, That's so insane. those two games are a new model for the Pacers, right? Mm-hmm. We don't win games on the glass. And we both not of have all year. Yeah. We won. The Phoenix game, especially because we didn't shoot that well from, from the three-point line, only 31%. Uh, but had 84 points in the paint, which is a franchise record, uh, and 21 offensive rebounds, as you mentioned, another franchise record. Franchise record. Franchise record. Yeah. To me, the amazing uh, play down the stretch from this team. So the Pacers are down 10 you know, in the fourth quarter, claw their way back, and are just making solid play after solid play. And really... It was Andrew Nimhard who mm-hmm. saw a matchup that he loved in uh, against Grayson Allen and just attacked and like really looked like a, a an all star essentially, sure. uh, scoring bucket after bucket down the stretch. Uh, Devin Booker was doing his damnedest to to make every tough shot to to keep uh, Indiana at, at arm's length, but just didn't have enough in the end. So just a really solid win well and and like that that last you talk about rebounding that last play Nimhard has gone down a couple times in a row beat Grayson Allen and and gotten layups uh he goes in he misses the shot Pascal Siakam is right there for the offensive rebound it rims out it gets tipped out to Obi Toppin who goes in and just you know gets a layup with three seconds left um Mm that's just active hands like not giving up yep. on the play um and you know pascal siakam was the first fingertips on that you know yep. if 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 he's changing the culture on the boards i'm all in yeah yeah i mean i would say that the effort on that that part of the floor is really uh improved a lot uh the 
final game of the week the against the the Grizzlies today. The Pacers were without without Halliburton, obviously, without Turner, who's out with a back injury, uh, and without T.J. McConnell, who was a last-minute scratch with a personal, for personal reasons. So missing sort of a lot of point guards and ball handlers. It looked like a sloppy game. So, you know, Memphis has been the most injury-rattled team all year. They're starting guys named David Roddy and Vince William Jr., so it was a bit of a summer league game for a while, but Pacers uh, put it together, you know, have have that don't quit mentality and, you know, scrap it out and do just enough to, to pull this game away in the end. Well, I mean, what, what I appreciate about this team is that there's just so many guys that are willing to score, assist, uh-huh. rebound. I mean, you know, we don't have dominant rebounders. When Halliburton's on the floor, we have a dominant assister. But when he's not there, a lot of guys just share the ball. And I think we have seven or eight guys that average over 10 points a game on this team. Yeah. Um, because we don't care who scores. And this game is one of those uh, you know, one of those games. You get Neesmith with 16, Siakam with 19, Smith with 19, Nimhard with 16, Mathur with 24, and, and Jackson with 10. Um, and you know most of those guys have assists and and rebounds. I, I do want to um, call out uh, Ben Shepard this this week. Um, I think I mentioned um, the effort he made in that um, that Nuggets game. He looks like the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a little bit of ball handling. He's got size. He's hitting three pointers with confidence, but he's also playing defense and that's what this team needs right now um you know there's some debate about whether this team still makes a trade at the deadline whether we you know give up a a buddy healed um because we don't want to re-sign him and we don't want to lose him for nothing sort of thing and whether we're willing to do that because we need shooting um on the wing if we do it it's only because we believe in the shepherd kid he's playing really well Mm -hmm. um and um, I don't want to lose Buddy Heald. I love a Burton Buddy, uh, as everybody does. But with the Siakam trade, I don't know how much money there's going to be in the offseason to, to bring Buddy back. So, you know, Shepard's seeing minutes right now with Halliburton's injury. And um, he's played really well with a lot of confidence. And I'm, I'm super in. So uh, shout out uh, Ben Shepard this week. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, I've been mo mostly impressed uh with his performance on the defensive side of things Mm -hmm. i mean people go at him because he's a rookie uh but he holds his own for the most part i mean he still gets scored on for sure but he's working his butt off and he's he's stronger than i thought you know he doesn't get pushed around as as much as as his opponents think he will be able to be pushed around right the way they go at him in the post so yeah i i'm very very happy with him and getting contributions up and down this roster. Like uh, Aaron Neesmith still doing his thing, uh, game in and game out. Uh, showed some new things today with a couple mid-range jumpers off the dribble. Uh, nothing but kudos for watching this team play. Game ball goes to Siakam, of course, right? He's a brand-new player. Um, he's never He hasn't had a full practice with the team still yet. Um, well, he got one, and then he dropped a triple-double. 
So. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that, that happened. He had a triple yeah. double this week. Um, only the sixth of his career, but um, it was his fourth game with the Pacers. So hey, maybe maybe his life is better now. You know, he might get a bunch more. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, he, this kid is amazing. Uh, he, he he moves his feet so well, both offensively and defensively. He's long and rangy, both offensively and defensively. He's super smart. Um, he's a veteran, and I'm I'm just really excited. I think this does put our team up a level. Um, and you know, we've just been with a bunch of young athletes, um, with a great gifted point guard and a good coach. But to have somebody on the floor that kind of is smarter than everybody else <laughs> could elevate this well, team. Yeah, and like so skilled and athletic. Like mm-hmm. he does things that, and he is so confident. He's so under control that he can get a bucket when we need a bucket. He does these wild like Euro step into a floater off the wrong foot that looks super awkward but (laughs) don't do it don't do it that's like his plan and he nails it and he's got you know we talked about this when we made the trade like one of the things that's exciting is you can throw it to him in the post like he can if he gets the the ball on the block like a good thing is going to happen right either he's going to pass out of it or uh by drawing the double team and then or just make a good move and Get a get a good shot. And, well, and the and, top of the key that has been surprising to me because hmm. you know he just he's got such a devastating pullback jumper from there, but he also mm-hmm. just kind of can pick apart the defense. Like he he's he's getting it to Miles Turner. He's he mm-hmm. he will go into the post and then kick it out to a guy. But like you get it to him um, on the corner of the free throw line, you're pretty much dead as a defense. You know, yeah, he's just gonna I think, get you. Was that the phoenix game that he and miles had a sweet like pick and roll and he like had this awesome pass to miles cutting down the lane that was like how did you even see that and yeah no no it was at that point i was like oh my goodness do we have one of the better front courts in the league all of a sudden like i mean i mean i was that excited i mean you you're talking about um you know we've said this before but the halliburton miles turner pick and roll is i think the third best in the league um Hmm. If if Siakam and Miles Turner could do a pick and roll too, like and and I'm assuming, you know, um, Halliburton Siakam are going to figure out a pick and roll. Like I mean, what what you know, people are going to have a lot of trouble dealing with us um, yeah. on the off you know on the offensive end. Um, and you're right, Siakam is demanding better rebounding. He he's better at guarding guys on the perimeter. He puts up. There were a couple. Uh, I was at the end of the. I think it was the Philly game where he just it was two you know possessions out of 5 that he forced a 24 second violation mm. and it was him like 10 seconds of defense it was mm. basically him doing it and I was like oh my god like yeah. this guy is incredible he's better than I thought he was going to be and we don't know who we're going to be as a team because we haven't really seen him and Halliburton play together Mhm Yeah uh, before we move on to sort of looking ahead, I do want to give a shout out to my guy, Ben Matherin, who in this uh, Memphis game, especially in the first half, just had it cooking. And he is so fun to watch when he has it cooking. Like, 
he goes into like Neo in the Matrix mode, and he can like see things, and like he's he's starting to put it all together. He still, you know, steps away from being able to. He was asked to do some play creating right in this game because we didn't have a backup point guard. He struggles with that a little bit, but uh, well, a lot, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, but when he has it going, especially with that jump shot, which which is looking better and better his three-point percentage is going up and up well and there are very few people uh, in the league that can sort of slither in between three people up <laughs> if there are three people trying to block your shot you know his yep. ability to get it somehow up on that rim is i would i would say equals you know very few people in the league even though sure. he's, a, he's a young man it's yep. a special gift all right well pacers have more games coming up this week. Another four-game week. This is now the fifth consecutive week that the Pacers will play four games oh. in seven days. Uh, and we're gonna we're we're winding up uh, January. Be wary uh, with a game at Boston on Tuesday. That game's on TNT, so we get some national press there. Then Thursday. Uh, starting February off at New York Knicks uh, and then a back-to-back Friday come back home to host Sacramento Kings and then Sunday travel to Charlotte what are you what are you seeing for a record this week this is this is tough uh, you know I, we don't know when Halliburton's coming back I'm gonna give us two and two but yeah no the league has not been nice to us at this point uh, it was a tough January. Yeah, but it, getting through this uh, Sacramento game on Friday, that was what we had in the schedule pod beforehand said. This so, is so the B where January toughest goes through early goes to February. Groundhog Day. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All exactly. right. So after this, it's all gonna uh, uh, go up. So let's let's say that let's go two and two. Um, sure. And then um, just run uh, ramshot over the whole league. Uh, after the all-star break let's do it sounds good to me i think this rough shot not ram shot what's ram shot mm, i don't know make something is that a character in uh gi joe or something might have been a care bear, mm. ram a shot. care bear. <laughs> wow uh, you were watching a different care bears than i was uh um, yeah how do you feel you think two and twos are legitimate or are you going one and three yeah, I think the uh, lack of Halliburton is going to start catching up with us. And okay. I feel it's going one and three. I feel like Boston is going to be angry because yeah. we, we beat them the last time we played them. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to watch this New York Knicks team who, after the trade with OB and, uh, OG and and Obi, have been just lighting the league on fire. Well, and Siakam and, then, and, and OG want to go against each other, but I'm not sure, sure. we have enough firepower without Halliburton. Well, we shall see. Uh, and then Sacramento is they also wants to, one. to yeah. give us one back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tough games, but that's the NBA. Every game is tough. Unless you're playing Detroit. Oh no, Detroit two and one in their last three games. They uh-huh. just beat Oklahoma City. They're coming back, baby. That's right. Jalen Duran. What was the thing? He dropped like a twenty-five and twenty and five. He's like the first player to do that or youngest player to do that since uh 
some guy in the 70s. Wow. All right. There's a, there's a made-up statistic for you. All right. Well, let's get out of here. So thank you, fans, for listening. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. You can email us, shout out at theundebeatables.com, or you can head over to our website, theundebeatables.com, where we have a contra- contact form. Uh, when you're there, you can also hop over to the merch tab and get yourself a t-shirt. I do want to say, uh, as someone who lives in North Carolina, how much I appreciated that neither of us even questioned beating Charlotte. That was the one win. We didn't even talk about it. It's fine. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. Panthers are bad, too. We, we just, just sit over here and suffer in Charlotte. Hmm. But uh, that's why I don't live there. I just right. am close enough to the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> it's a college basketball state. Yes, for sure. For sure. For the architect, Donnie Walsh, and our once and always Hall of Fame coach, Bobby Sclenard, Turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> was there a cat in there somewhere? Yeah, I had a lot going on. I think there was some Audrey Hepburn in there, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. A little vibrato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. And a Love cat. It. Yeah. All right. I need to go blow my nose uh, very badly. <laughs>